You're listening to the Your Queer Story podcast, the podcast that inspires peace, love, and radicalism, led by your favorite hosts, Evan Jones and Paul Hobbs. Trigger warning. Our content covers centuries of LGBTQ plus stories, and occasionally we may use outdated language or cover topics that include violence, assault, homophobia, transphobia, as well as other injustices against marginalized communities. Make sure you subscribe and review wherever you are listening, and be sure to follow us on all social media at Your Queer Story. And if you want exclusive content, join us on Patreon at patreon.com slash yourqueerstory. You're here, now let's get queer. And with him, as always, is Paul Hobbs, the better of two hosts, as clarified by our Twitter poll, Mm -hmm. which featured only my name, but let's be honest, we only had to put the good person on there, so it Uh didn't matter. And he's also the only person who voted in the poll, so. (laughs) There was actually two votes. (laughs) I'll have you know. Did you get David to vote, or was it your mom? I don't know who else voted. It was your mom. Kim, we know that you voted, so you don't count. (laughs) It was split 50-50, by the way. Yeah, there so was no, two you odds. couldn't even get 100 for yourself. <laughs> yes, I did. I got 50% for me and 50%. No, 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 that no. One ball. <laughs> Anyways, we missed you guys over the holidays. Hope you had a wonderful season and hope that you made a New Year's resolution to learn your queer story. And, of course, the best place to do so is here on your queer story. See what he did there? It was pretty great. Yeah, I just blended all that together. It's beautiful. Hopefully Spotify is recommending us now because they're recommending all the they do that at the beginning of the year. They recommend these podcasts. Oh, really? Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So. so if you're new or you are wondering how else you can interact with us, you can find us literally anywhere. We even just made a Snapchat. Of course we did. You can find us at Your Queer Story. We're mostly active on Facebook and Twitter, though. Yeah. Um, if you message us through Facebook, you're probably going to get Evan. And if you message us through Twitter, you're probably going to get Paul. So. Yeah. And if Paul ever gives me the password to the Instagram account, I'll get that up and running. But he doesn't. He just hogs it to himself. He doesn't use I, it, it's but he hogs the it. Same. When was the last time you went on Instagram? Mm. The young people interact through Instagram, Paul. Do they? Yes, they do. Okay, well, I'll give you the information, <laughs> even though it's literally the same. It's does it's the same as what? I don't remember what the information was the first time. <laughs> That's my phone says it. It does it. Evan is the least technology savvy person you'll ever meet. I don't know if this is even technology. I think this is just not remembering passwords. Uh, this is why people give me personal information at work all the time. And they they always whisper it. I'm like, there's no chance in hell I'm going to remember this. You're going to leave in 30 seconds. I will not remember a single thing that you told me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. agree. Um, but yeah, but if yeah, find us on social media at Your Queer Story. Um, also, if you want to help the queer arts, if you want this podcast to keep going and more stuff that we have coming for you, join us on Patreon. Yes, go. We love Patreon. It's given us a lot of opportunities that we wouldn't have had without it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's allowing us to grow our podcast. It's allowing us to eventually upgrade, which is our biggest goal right now, um, upgrade yeah. our equipment. Yeah. Trying to give you guys some better sound quality. Um, we had something picked up, but we decided we wanted to go one step further, get even better equipment because of stuff that we were doing in the future. So 
we're almost to our goal that we need uh, for money raised. Um, what is it? We need about what three hundred and fifty bucks? No, four hundred fifty bucks. Like five fifty, six. Five. Okay. So we're not quite sure. We're halfway to our goal of what we need to get better sound equipment. But as with all, uh, as we tell you guys, any money that we get goes straight into this podcast or the queer community. We use it to uh, pay for the hosting on our website, yourqueerstory.com. Um, and for this podcast, and uh, we've done a little bit um, with uh, community get-togethers and such. So that's what it goes to. We don't pocket any of the money. In fact, we put our money into this podcast <laughs> yeah so, yeah so you can go to patreon.com slash your queer story and you can donate in our tip jar of one dollar or if you want to become a patreon you, you can join us for a dollar a month or you can join us for three and you can get exclusive content and we just recorded from some film for we content. evan saw cardi b's new music video for money for the first time so we did a little live reaction i've seen it a lot but i still it's a bop Mm-hmm. You know, you vibe to it every time. It's so good. Yeah. So if you guys want to check that out, and at one point, some at some point, Paul's going to do his Paul Hobbs wines, but who knows? Maybe Listen, his first one will be complaining about his procrastination. No, the reason <laughs> I haven't done it is because I'm not going to name any names, but my boyfriend's a little needy. <laughs> okay. And if he comes home and I'm a little bit belligerent, no. you know why you haven't done it. Why? It's because you're from Indiana, and everything that's wrong in our life is That's really true. That's really true. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> no, but he'll be like, why are you so drunk? And I'll be like, because I'm trying to become famous. <laughs> okay. Okay, so you don't want to be a drunken mess when he comes home. He yeah. Clo- but there's like two nights a week where he closes. That's true, but usually on those nights, I'm playing video games, so. Okay, well, <laughs> you make some time because you told him. No, so. but usually on those nights, I'm busy working on websites and other things, but I promise it's coming. I actually think I have some time um, this Friday. Mm. So, well, yeah, this Friday, because this will come out Wednesday. Yeah, this Friday. So I'm going to post that video the date, because he works until 10.30 that day, so that's Ooh, But um, I can't promise it'll be out Friday, because if I'm drunk, I don't know that I can edit it, but... Paul Hobbs Wine, it's coming. The first one's either going to be on the Common Cold or High School or some other topic that I'll probably... Probably all three. Probably. Mm-hmm. It's just going to blend together. Who knows and what's going to happen? Yeah, probably ran off into something completely different. So don't have expectations, but it will be it's fun. It's going to be fun. <laughs> I'll enjoy it. You might enjoy it. I think you'll enjoy it. Yeah. Evan will enjoy it. It's going to be good. It's going to be fun. Yeah. And uh, um, I will have another transition update soon. I'm actually going to be hitting my one year on testosterone on February 1st. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So, I'll have one of those. That's what I've been doing with my updates. And then other content coming soon. So... Stay tuned, guys. Uh, Good stuff coming. Thank you to our Patreon supporters. And if you want to become one, again, so go to patreon.com slash yourqueerstory. And if you sign up, we would appreciate it. Your support is very helpful. So thank you, guys. So now that you're all cut up, uh, before we launch into one of the most iconic figures in U.S. queer history, how were your holidays, Evan? Um, my holiday gays were... Let me ask, did you go to like 17 different houses on Oh, Christmas? yes I did, uh, yes I did. Did you um, eat your bagels and your, uh, your second breakfast and yep. all that? We had, um, we had bagels for breakfast and of course... What kind of cream cheese do you use? I did not have a bagel because I don't like bagels. Ah. They're just so hard to chew, so Samantha... That's the best part, that's like the thing, bagels, like that's why you get a bagel. I don't, and that's why I don't get bagels. 
<laughs> it's not my thing. Thank you, next. Samantha made these amazing vegan cinnamon rolls, though, and I oh, had one of those. Yeah, they're good. That sounds good. I mean, my fiance can cook, you know. She never so. cooks for me. Why would she cook for you? I don't know, because I'm her best friend. <laughs> okay. Well, you can come over to our house sometime, and she'll cook for you. She'll make you a delicious vegan dinner, and you will love it. You know I what? Promise. She made that vegan ranch that one time. That was really good. She makes all this food. I'm not a vegan, but like I eat most of her food because it's just good. I don't know what she's doing. She just throws shit here and there. Unlike <laughs> when work. I cook. <laughs> well, well, when we cook, we throw shit here and there. But you don't <laughs> know what's out. you don't know right. what's gonna be the end result. Exactly, and it doesn't come out as good. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So you know, we did that, and then we went to. Oh God, we went back home because we were gonna change because we went over to her parents' house. Why no, would you do that? Because we woke up. So first of all, we stayed up late on Christmas Eve. Why? Well, I was doing, if you knew you go to 17 different places, why? Because I was hosting meetings till midnight. Okay, that's fair. For people in recovery. So then we wake up and we go to straight to her parents in our pajamas to open presents. So then we have to go home and change. So then we have to go to that her house. That was your first house. mistake. Why didn't you get dressed in the morning? Because we woke up late and we wanted to sleep to the last possible minute. Do you know how fast I change? It takes me 30 seconds to change. Because you have to, because dinner, because no, uh, Christmas lunch is fancy. So you have to be dressed up and you have to look nice. I couldn't just throw on anything. No. Look, this isn't my tradition. This is her family's tradition. Okay, that's fair. What about you? Um, I had a good time. I went to David's family's house. Obviously, we didn't travel to the Chicago area. Mm -hmm. Um... I had a lot of fun. Yeah. Just, you know, just showed up. Jeans, sweater, because yeah. it's Christmas, uh, wintery time. Um, did the Secret Santa. Um, had fun. Yeah. His family's always fun. There's lots, there's, it's a big family, so yeah. you always get to have, you know, lots, yeah. lots of fun. That's really it. We had yeah. good food. Hung that's out. What, that's Samantha's family. I mean, even though we're moving around, Went to one house. fun. Well, you do get to go to one house. So we uh, we have actually two because we went to his dad's to stay there and then like went to his grandma's house where they oh, okay had, where they had dinner yeah. yeah yeah no it's good so um, and then the day after Christmas um, which is why we didn't have a podcast for you last week so my sister was supposed to have a baby at the end of January and then the day after Christmas she called me and was like um, I have to have this baby now you and know what the baby wanted to be a Christmas baby the baby did I don't blame him yeah. or her 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 I don't blame her. Yeah, and so um, there was no one to watch my three-year-old niece, and apparently you can't just like lock them in the house with a bunch of Cheerios and juice boxes. I don't know why. Throw them in a room. That's what I said. Put a bowl of water out. <laughs> and they're fine. They're fine. They'll run around till they're tired. They'll pass out. They wake up. They have a drink of water. They're ready to go again. Make sure it's in a bowl, though, because you can put more in a bowl than you can in a glass. <laughs> there you go. So, <laughs> so Samantha and I had to go down there last minute, and we watched my niece while my sister was in the hospital, and her obviously her husband was with her, and the baby is very premature, so, you know. But th- she's doing good now. She's so. good? Good, yeah. good, good, good. Yep. So I'm is she uncle able to go again. home yet, or is she? No, she'll probably have to be there for a couple more weeks. She's okay. very... She she was she was already gonna be early mm-hmm. and then she was so she was like six weeks early maybe i don't know is yeah. that bad i don't know like what the like well, the limit is yeah you, you don't want to be that early like a week or two early is she gonna bad. she's probably gonna be pretty small then right usually. oh she is small she's very but small. i mean like even growing usually for i have music. no idea i don't know mm. if you're a preemie what was your growth rate like well I, I have a cousin who has like He's dating a woman who had a, a, a preemie baby, uh-huh. and she's just small for her age, and I oh. think she always will be, so no. I don't know. I don't know. She's adorable, though. I yeah. love Bella. She's cute. She's yeah. fun. Yeah. 
Well, this Lacey, that's the baby's name. She's cute. She's real small. Wicked smart, too. Oh, yeah? So there we go. There you go. So you're, if you're born early, you're small, but you're also smart. That's just, we. this is a fact that we've told you. So go by it. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, today right. we're going to talk about... We're going to learn about Harvey Milk, and perhaps you think you know all about this story because you watched that Sean Penn film, but buckle up because this isn't a Hollywood version of the story. We're actually going to talk about the real, very complex man who suffered a staggering defeat as well as one giant victory, a man whose single campaign triumph and subsequent assassination would publicly encapsulate his entire life. Uh, today we learn more and dig deeper into the real life and story of the first openly gay elected U.S. official. That's right. So if you haven't watched the movie Milk, I would still suggest that you do it. Stars Sean Penn. Give you Have a you little... ever seen it? No, I haven't actually. Oh, really? Okay. I think it was on Netflix or Hulu for a while. It might still be on. I think it was on Netflix because I remember yeah. it. I don't remember why I didn't watch it. I think I was... Yeah. I, I have some excuse, but it's not yeah. coming out of my mouth right now. So yeah, Sean Penn plays Harvey Milk. James Franco plays I Sean always, Penn's boyfriend. You know, the thing is, I always hesitate to watch movies on queer culture mm -hmm. because I don't feel like they're ever accurate. Yeah. Like, they're, ac they're they give you a perspective, Yeah, but they're never like... Hollywood and media doesn't like to truly portray what it's like to be gay. They, well, yeah. they like to be like, oh, you know, he was gay and it's cool, but they don't ever get into what being gay is like. It's hard to, well, it's hard to do it because either they go too tragic where everything's just a tragedy. Everyone dies all the Everyone time. Everyone dies. It's all sad and awful. Or they go too lighthearted and the gay person just kind of joke. I feel like with Milk, as far as portraying the culture is pretty good, the story of Harvey, Harvey Milk, they didn't portray accurately but if they had portrayed it accurately i think the gay community would have accused them of demonizing harvey milk mm. so it was a very hard to walk this line also i don't know why james franco is so obsessed with gay movies but he is i feel like he's in every gay movie but he doesn't just come you know out and be like he likes dick he does like dick he's definitely bisexual but he won't say it and he's just or I can't maybe blame sexual, Well, I can't blame him on liking Dick. I can't. I can blame him for not saying. You it. can't blame him for saying. I mean, I can. Again, it's his prerogative, but right. Well, the thing is, as we've talked about so many times, it's so hard when you talk about a career, especially in Hollywood, and coming out as like queer. Yeah, it just hurts you. It does. Yeah. As much as people want to say. Hollywood's so accepting. Hollywood's the gayest place in America. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's the gayest place in America if you're straight and you play a gay character. Yeah, but, but like, he's but the amount of gay characters he's played at this point, like he's in a new show where he plays a gay guy, or what was it? Or maybe it's not a new show. It's a movie about uh, a kid who's a porn star and he gets murdered or something. A kid? Uh, well, like he's like sixteen or seventeen. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. That's, yeah, it's that's child pornography. It's, it's, don't, that don't one is definitely that. on Netflix or Hulu because I just watched it recently. Who I, is, I don't even know what James Franco looks like. You don't know what James Franco looks like? No. Jesus fuck, Paul. James Franco. What are you <laughs> looking him up? I'm sorry for everyone right now who's having a, a fit in their car they're or like, trying why? to be quiet at their desk at work and they're like, how the fuck does Paul not know why is this James not... Franco? Oh, okay, I know. Uh, I don't know him. You what? do know James Franco. What's he been I'm in? I'm going to bitch slap you. What's he been in? Everything. Literally everything. I don't know this man. Oh, I can hate you. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. 
Anyways, so I'm sorry, folks. I don't know. I just found this guy on the side of the road and decided to give him a job. (laughs) Anyways, so I was just saying, but he's played several gay uh, gay characters, and I just don't know how he's played so many and still not come out. But whatever, James. You know what? You do you. It's your business. Why are you looking at me? Clickbait. We're going to call this James Franco is gay. That's going to be the name of That's this episode. A, that, no, well, I don't feel like anybody's going to be shocked. No, we're not going to call it. This is about Harvey Milk. Clickbait, though. That's how you get the views. That's how you get the listens. That's how you get the downloads. Okay. This is an empire we're building here. All right. That's our devious plan. Anyways, so back to Harvey Milk, who we're actually here to talk about. So Harvey Milk was born to William and Minerva Milk in Woodmere, New York, on May 22nd, 1930. He was an average student in school and stood out more for his physical and religious attributes than his grades. His large ears and big feet feet often caused him to be taunted by the other children. And the fact that he was Jewish growing up in the 1930s didn't help. Not only was he Jewish, but his parents were very open and active in the community, and his grandfather had been responsible for setting up the first synagogue in the area. Despite the bullying, Harvey maintained a sense of confidence that made his high school years a bit easier. You know what? Confidence is all you need. It really is. And in this, you yeah. can be terrible at everything, mm-hmm. but as long as you have confidence, people will buy it. That's true. I mean, who better than Donald Trump, right? Who better? Literally, though, yeah. like he is the, the most confident motherfucker <laughs> for no reason. Yeah. He is so confident in everything. Did you see his thing where he was like, all the past presidents met, like contacted me and they said they wanted me, they they feel bad that they didn't build a wall. No, <laughs> he literally was like, yeah, all the presidents that were before me said mm-hmm. that they should have built a wall. Oh yeah, and then all of the pa- the presidents that are still living were like, nope. They're like, uh, uh, Obama is like, I don't know, motherfucker, I don't know what you're I'm talking about. <laughs> pretty sure I never. I'm pretty sure I never said that, but I mean. Yeah. He just literally is the most confident. He's the president, people. Yeah. Confidence just, makes you the president. It does. Well, I'm going to tell you, honestly, I don't know that Harvey Milk wouldn't have like gone pretty far. His confidence was amazing. Even when he had nothing to back it up, he was confident. Yeah. Be confident. That That's right. Hold your head up high. Bullshit that, your way to the top. That's how I get through life. <laughs> After graduating in 1947, Harvey went off to New York State College for Teachers and finished his four de- and finished his degree in four years. By this time, things were starting to heat up in Korea, and the U.S. as well as the rest of the world was in the grips was in the grips of the Red Scare. In order to prevent all of Korea from falling to communism, the big bad monster of the world, Eisenhower deployed troops to aid South Korea in breaking away from their northern countrymen. Harvey enlisted in the Navy and went off, of course, the Navy. (laughs) Which, by the way, of course it was the Navy, everyone. Of course it was. So he went off to war. Serving on the submarine, the USS... Serving on the submarine, the USS Kittawake. Kittawake, I think. This is a very white name. It's the U.S. Navy. They're not doing anything like... That's true. (laughs) It's literally what it sounds like. (laughs) Kittywake. After four years in 1955, Milk completed his tour and was honorably discharged, holding the rank of lieutenant. It is important to remember that Harvey was honorably discharged because this would be a lie he later embellished during his political campaigns. While Harvey was a huge source of inspiration to the gay community, he was definitely meant to be a politician. What do you think it's like? How do you have sex on a submarine without anybody else knowing? They all know. 
they just know that the guys like first listen, of all, how do listen. you even you can't slide into the bunk because it's literally made for one man. Listen, the Navy is a group of people who are into orgies. <laughs> Every night on the submarine, after they all like mm-hmm. you know do their thing, like whatever you do when you're on a submarine, you scrub the deck and you wipe the poop deck, whatever it's okay. called. <laughs> That's just... they Submarines go down... do not have Oh yeah, decks. it's a submarine. <laughs> so they scrub the aisle of the submarine, right? <laughs> the one aisle. They uh-huh. all go... I was going to say they go downstairs, but if the submarines have levels... Yeah, they, I think they do, yeah. Well, they go downstairs, and it's just a big gay Navy orgy. Every night. Every night. No one takes a night off. No. Because that's your only opportunity. Do you have this gay orgy before you go back to land? Yeah. Okay, That's now we know what happens in the Navy, folks. You heard it first here. I've never been in the Navy, but I'm telling you that's what happens. He knows. I've seen a lot of stuff. <laughs> it's all on the internet, I'm just saying. Yeah. Hey, Queerstians, do you own a business? Are you an author or an entertainer? And would you like a great way to grow your audience? Well, this commercial slot could be yours. For just $20 a month, we can advertise your show on our podcast. And as a rapidly growing queer content source, we want to help get your name out there. So if you want even more promotion, you can just choose our $30 tier to get ads and links on our website. And for only $40 a month, we'll review your product on our YouTube channel and link it to all of our social media. So go ahead, send an email to yourqueerstory at gmail today or reach out to us on social media via messenger and let us make your business a little more queer bye Bye. all right before but anyway so harvey was honorably discharged and um that's just remember that later on we'll come back to it and if we don't come back to it he was not he was honorably discharged but later he would tell people that he was dishonorably discharged during the blue discharges to because he was gay but you know what you gotta say what you gotta say to get elected. Well, if anybody is the prime example of that, look at our current president. Well, I know, but that's what you want to say, but you don't want to be like, yes, you should say. No, that. no, no, you yeah, should be but honest. I'm say, but I'm saying, but as far as political in America, say whatever. It doesn't matter. It's true. Yeah. Literally, look at it. He literally said whatever he wanted. He was just like, you know what? I'm gonna make America great. We're gonna move to Mars. <laughs> like he would say that, and his supporters would be like, yeah, we're moving to Mars. Literally, though. They're going to move to Mars and they're going to leave all the people of color and all the queers here. And you know what? We're okay with that. That would be actually... Perfectly fine. Actually. That's a great idea to me. That would sound wonderful. <laughs> Can you imagine? We'd have the greatest parties. <laughs> greatest parties. Every also night. Also a good country, but yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> what do you think? We all have jobs, too. We have jobs and lives. <laughs> okay, anyway. You know what? Make America gay again. That's, That's right. all I got to say. That's right. So before he found his true calling, Harvey would try a variety of other careers. He tried being a teacher, a producer, an insurance analyst, a researcher, and more. Jesus Christ. I know, he was really all over the place for a long time. (laughs) During this time, Harvey never seemed to lack in the area of men. He had a constant stream of boyfriends and certainly preferred younger men, which isn't a problem except when he dated 16-year-old Jack McKinley in 1964. Mm. Yeah. We're going to talk about it in a second. The two had a volatile relationship, and dra- and Jack struggled. The two had a volatile relationship, and Jack struggled with depression. Harvey was frustrated at the amount of attention that Jack demanded of him. Jack's behavior does seem childish until we remember that Jack was a fucking child dating a thirty-four-year-old man. 
By far, Harvey Milk's most egregious offenses were his relationships with young boys. And while we want to tell an important part of our history, we also don't want to champion or even ignore the fact that Harvey Milk would be considered a sexual predator. Harvey Milk would be considered a sexual predator by today's standards. And so I put here for a moat because people will say, here's my, when I, when you bring this up and people always say, well, that's just gay culture, right? Older men with younger boys. That's fucking sex culture. Mm -hmm. All right. And throughout history, young girls have been married off to older men. All right. And no one's like, exactly. No one today is like, well, okay, this 14 year old girl should be with this older guy because that's our culture. And in fact, I put Roy Moore in here because when Roy Moore in his 30s dated girls who were 15 and 16 years old, people had a fucking fit. And they're like, "Uh, this is wrong. That's disgusting Mm -hmm. because they're right. But here, if you say Harvey Milk, 34 years old, is dating a 16-year-old, people are like, oh, that's just gay culture. Where is this young man supposed to find someone his own age? I don't know. What's your thoughts? No, I agree. Um, yeah. They, like, I don't know. I I'm, I don't know because I kind of did it when I was younger. <laughs> but that's also the <laughs> but problem. The, the thing, I don't know. It's, I don't know. Yeah. It's not something that I would ever condone because I wouldn't date. 16, 17, 18, yeah. 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24-year-old Paul, yeah. any any yeah. of my prior selves, um, and I would never, I don't know, it's not appropriate. But you were a younger man with an older man. Yes. So you, I, I was you on the opposite. You were not in the wrong. He I was, was in the yes. wrong. Right. Right. And, and I hear that all the time because I hear people, in fact, what's his, oh God. And the thing, coming from my perspective, I was in an area where I had no, I had no one. To give me information on what being gay was. Mm-hmm. I was isolated. I was surrounded by religious people telling me I was wrong. Minus my family. My family was great. They were supportive the whole time. Yeah. I was in an area where I was a huge minority. Like I could yeah. tell you maybe like three other people that I knew prior to being older and like learning about apps and all of that. Mm. Um, <clears throat> it's predatory and it's taking advantage of someone. Yeah, well, that's what I mean. The the person that you had the relationship, they took advantage of you. They right. took advantage of the fact that you didn't have information and you didn't know where else to go, and they they took advantage of that. Right. I mean, regardless of how you view the relationship now, it's still that's that's predatory. You know, taking advantage it of is. the person. It's taking advantage you know. of your position as an older person who has more knowledge and saying, "Hey, this one has no idea what they're doing." Yeah. Let me grab them and use them for a while. Oh yeah, I mean, I was. I was older and I was, you know, I was over 18 and I was 100% consensual. But my, my like coming out was, so I didn't mature until I was a lot older. Like I, because of the way that I grew up Mm -hmm. and I was so repressed, I didn't have like a sexual awakening until I was like 23. And then I had a sexual awakening with someone who was a lot older than me. And I don't regret the, the relationship, but looking back on it now, I do see it as this person older, more experienced took advantage of the fact that I was naive and didn't know what right. I was doing, you know? Um, but yeah, but I do think that it's important in the queer community that we have honest conversations about this and we present it the way that it is. And I think we're starting to do that. You know, we saw with Kevin Spacey, um, you know, his relationship with the young boy and how, you know, people are saying, no, that's not okay. He's being charged with sexual assault mm-hmm. as he should be. Um, and so, but we need to hold people to these high standards. And that's the thing, Harvey Milk, you know, as a man in his 30s and into his 40s had relationship with young boys. And it's wrong. And we're not going to say it's okay. But we still got to tell the story. 
Despite their very crazy relationship, Jack and Harvey stayed together for the next five years. So he made it until he was 21. Yeah. Definitely. And then, of course, when you're 21. Then he was done with him. <laughs> are you kidding me? When you're 21, you're like, fuck you. I'm going out and getting drunk every night. Well, yeah. Now that I can see that there's actual other men in the world and I right. can, yeah. <laughs> so they even moved to San Francisco together in 1969, which is the year my mom was born. Shout out, mom. Okay. I don't know that Kim loves it. You just told everybody how old she is, but go she's, ahead. She's an old woman now. It's fine. <laughs> Here their affair ended when Jack was offered a role in a new Broadway play, Jesus Christ Superstar, while Jack was finally finding his way in life, Harvey seemed more lost than ever. The thing is, if you're an older man, Mm -hmm. don't date someone in their early 20s. Yeah. It's well, yes. not gonna work out. Well, no. Here's the thing: if Ever. an older man is looking for someone in their in their early twenties, I'm just telling you. Now, there is a there are a few instances where older guy finds a guy in his early twenties, and then their relationship works out. They've been together 20, 30 years. But the for the most part, I'm if t- there's an older guy looking for a younger man, they're fucking that old. The older guy has no, no shit going for him. Right, but like. 20, but like, I don't know, maybe if they're like 24, 25. Uh But like, don't, if you're older, don't go for someone in like either between 19 to 24 because they're going to have an awakening at some point and they're going to go wild and they're going to be like, I don't want to be with this old man. But I I feel like the old men know that and they don't want the guys past 21. but some people don't. No, okay. Oh. I'm just saying. (laughs) Some people don't know. You're not talking about personal experience at all. No, never. No, absolutely not. Some people don't, and then they're (laughs) devastated, and their whole world's exploded. (laughs) How could you? I don't know how you could be devastated if you're older and you're dating a guy who's 21. First of all, at like 23, (laughs) no, at like 24, I stopped dating people who were 21 or younger. You know, between the 18 to 21, because I was like, this is annoying as fuck. I was like I date I was like twenty four and I dated a girl who was nineteen. Oh my god, I remember these stories. Yeah, and I we dated for uh, I say dated that's very loose. We were like together for like three weeks, and I was like, this girl is fucking nuts. She's she's off her goddamn rocker. She's, Everyone's nuts until they're twenty four. Yeah, they are. And I, I was like that. That's when I because was like, you know I'm why? Done. Because until you're like twenty five, your view of the world is guided by Hollywood and what you see on TV. Mm-hmm. So like on TV, yeah. you see these relationships and they're like, oh my God, this is so great. Oh God. <laughs> blah, blah, blah. And then when you get to like 25, 26, you're like, listen, I experienced shit. Yeah. That shit's whack. Like, get that out of here. Not. That's fake. This is what life's really like. Exactly. You know what? It's been depressing to me. So I've been binge watching the show Riverdale. It's mm-hmm. on Netflix. It's about, it's a, a teenage show. Which I loved teenage shows. And then I didn't watch any for a while, you know. And then I, I found the show and I was like, oh, I'm going to love the show. And I do like some aspects of it. But the teenage drama is so annoying to me now. Because I'm like, <laughs> you kids have no fucking idea what life is about. <laughs> I've become that person that's like, this isn't real life. You kids just wait till you get older. <laughs> I hit 30 and I'm officially a 60-year-old man. So, anyways. Yeah, so so yeah, so if you're young, don't get involved with an older guy because he's gonna want he's gonna want to control you. Know what? You get involved with him and learn your lesson. As long as he's not controlling, have fun because it's gonna be fun. If he's older, then, he's gonna be controlling. There's a reason that he wants that's, that young that's person because he wants to but manipulate. Then, then get them. out. Yeah, have your fun. Get out. Yeah, yeah, have your fun and get out. But yeah, he's dating you so that he can manipulate you. And as soon as he can't manipulate you, he's gonna have a problem. Right. So, but you know what? You're gonna learn all this on your own, kids. You'll be okay. You'll make it. Unless he's a psychopath, then you're going to die. Then, yeah. (laughs) 
<laughs> so, while Jack was finally finding his way, Harvey seemed more lost than ever. He continued to drift from place to place, changing jobs and having little to no stability. His political views were also evolving. Milk had always considered himself a conservative and a Republican. Thank you, Max. Yeah. Thank you, Max. He had even worked on Republican Barry Goldwater's presidential campaign in 1964, which is actually where he met Jack. Um, and he had avoided any involvement in the civil rights movement of the 60s, including the budding gay rights activism. In fact, Harvey had broken up with a former boyfriend because that boyfriend was too involved in fighting for queer equality. That was his stance. By now, he's almost 40 years old. Hmm. <laughs> so, as Harvey traveled back and forth across the country, working odd jobs and meeting different people, his views began to shift. He's like, oh, real people actually need things? Yeah. Ah. It's not all about me, the white guy? Mm. During this time, he met Scott Smith, and the two fell in love. In 1973, Harvey found his way back to San Francisco, taking Scott with him. The two settled down and opened a camera shop on Castro Street. Despite... Despite... <laughs> despite France... Oh, is she... Wow. Despite San Francisco being a hotbed of queer activity... Ooh. You better pull okay. your shit together. I only had two blue moons, everyone. I didn't even yeah, drink yeah, that yeah, much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't pop my neck. Okay. <laughs> Despite San Francisco being a hotbed of queer activity for decades, literally almost a century though, <laughs> yeah. their laws and police department were still very anti-queer. In 1971 alone, almost 3,000 gay men were arrested for public sex. Oral sex was considered a felony Anyone arrested for morals charges had to register as a sex offender. Yeah, so if you remember in like, past episodes, I know with the Lavender Scare and a couple others, we talked about morals charges, which is basically, you know, if you're caught having gay sex or, you know. No matter where you are. Yeah, you know. You could be in your bedroom. Exactly. It doesn't matter. Your moral charges. And now you have to register as a sex offender. And we know those registries last fucking forever. Literally. So, yet these obstacles were shrinking in the face of mounting gay in the face of the mounting gay liberation movement. In 1971, a group of open lesbian and gay San Francisco citizens formed the Alice B. Tolkless T-O-K-L-A-S LGBT Democratic Club. Two of the founding members were Del Martin and Phyllis Lyon, who also... These bitches were everywhere. They were all over San Francisco. Like, literally, <laughs> they were everywhere. They were, like, they came out and they're like, we are fucking out! So, you go to the grocery store, they're there. You go home, they're there. Exactly. Literally like, everywhere. Why are you guys in my house? Why are you awkwardly you in my living wonderful room? Wonderful women, but I'm not quite sure why you're here. Uh, <laughs> so these were the women that also helped found the Daughters of Belides, which we covered in episode five, which we'll have to redo one day because we were, we were still getting our feet wet, well, but that's good. Yeah, anything that we like covered in the past that we kind of like, we didn't, we never bombed anything, but we were a little, we weren't as fun. Well, you got to get used to. You got to right, find your yeah. rhythm. We'll, you know. we'll, we'll uh, retouch a couple episodes. Yeah. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. So another founding member of the Alice Democratic Club was Jim Foster, a formidable force of early queer politics. He was the first openly gay man to ever address a national party convention when he spoke at the Democratic Convention in 1972. Jim had helped George McGovern to win the California governor governorship. And he had been hugely responsible for making the gay community a sought-after demographic in San Francisco. But for our, but for this story, we really only need to know one thing. 
Jim Foster hated Harvey Milk, and Harvey Milk equally hated Jim Foster. So, Jim and Harvey hated each other. Go ahead. Sounds like a typical gay relationship, though. <laughs> yes, exactly. That's the gay that thinks he's gonna get the role? Let I, me tell you, I'm gonna get that role. I think that literally was it. That's it's, that's how gay culture works. Yeah, it is. Yeah, that's that, that was it, yeah. Literally. So... The feud seemed to start one day in 1973 when Harvey, with almost no political experience and even less activism experience, decided to run for city supervisor. The story goes that he approached Jim and asked for his endorsement, but Jim didn't think a newcomer like Milk deserved such a high position. He told Harvey, There's There's an old saying in the Democratic Party. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) There's an old saying in the Democratic Party. My voice is gay enough. Well, you don't you don't get to dance unless you put up the chairs. I've never seen you put up the chairs. Milk was furious, and the two would openly clash in their ideas of how to advance queer rights. Jim believed that the Democratic Party needed to first implant straight, gay-friendly politicians. He didn't feel like the city or the country was ready to, was ready for an openly queer official, and he certainly didn't think someone like Harvey Milk should be the first. So, so you got to get the picture. So Harvey Milk. Is running a camera street on is running a is running a camera shop in downtown San Francisco with his boyfriend, and there was a couple things going on. The Watergate scandal had broken with Richard Nixon. Um, then Harvey gets served with this business tax that he didn't think that he should have, and so just like up and out of the blue, he's like, you know what? I'm gonna run for city supervisor, which was a really big position. And he just like marches down without like ever like remember he's not involved in activism. He's not on the front lines picketing. He's just he's a not random part ass of a, guy. Yeah, he's not part of any like party. But this is Harvey Milk's uh, confidence or arrogance. He just marches into the Democratic Party and he's like, "Hey guys, I'm gonna run for office. I need your endorsement." And Jim Foster's like, uh, Who "No, are you? I don't." I don't think we will. Uh, we actually have quite a few qualified candidates. And because he didn't like just take the stranger up, Harvey's like, well, fuck you. And Jim's like, no, fuck you. And, and that was their feud. <laughs> and, but it would, it would end up impacting a lot of things because, you know, Jim Foster could really hold Harvey back. Mm-hmm. So, like we said, but Jim Foster, I will say his downfall, like a lot of the, for the beginning of the gay rights movement, is that they were so cautious and so worried that they were going to, you know, they wanted to ease into everything. So, like, Jim mm-hmm. Foster's like, no, we're not ready to have an openly gay candidate. We need to have just gay-friendly candidates. Harvey, on the other hand, had other ideas. He believed, rightly, that only a queer politician could best serve the queer population. He also believed that San Francisco was ready for a gay official, and he definitely believed that he was the right man for the job. <laughs> Despite not having the endorsement of the only gay party, of the only gay political party in the town, Harvey ran for supervisor anyway. And since this was his first time ever running for office, he certainly had. All right. And since this was his first time ever running for office, and since Milk certainly had more than his share of arrogance, he ran a campaign without any funds, any staff, or any local endorsements. And surprisingly, even without all these essential components, he still did fairly well. He lost the race, of course, but gained over 16,000 votes, the attention of the queer community, and he did gain a hell of a lot of experience. And over the next two years, Harvey built on this momentum. He became more involved in gay rights activism, created an alliance with local businesses, and made his name known. 
During a union strike at Coors Beer, Harvey negotiated a deal with the Teamsters. If they hired more gay drivers, he'd convince local gay bars to suspend buying cores until the union workers had their demands met. The boycott was successful, and Harvey became a union favorite. The budding politician also founded the Castro Village Association, which worked to attract more visitors to the Castro shops. The association's greatest achievement was the Castro Street Fair, an LGBT festival which has since been hosted every year and now attracts hundreds of thousands of people. With his, with his success on Castro Street, Harvey began to call himself the mayor of Castro Street. And that is where we will end the episode today. Um, the Castro Street Fair, I think the last statistic I read was over 300,000 people attended today. And so, you know, he sees, like, I do find it interesting. He runs a campaign. He has no money or any chance of winning, but he's like, fuck it, I'm going to do it anyways. But he did, you know, he started to learn, like he found his, like when he started, when he ran that campaign, like he found his calling. That's mm -hmm. what he was meant to do. And that's what he was going to do. And so we will wrap it up. Pause it. Make sure you tune in next week because we're going to get to the real good stuff. Uh, his other campaigns, his um, friendship with the cult leader, Jim Jones. And do you know who that is? Yes, I do. Okay. And, um, well, you don't know who James Franco is, but you at least know who Jim Jones yeah, is. Of course I So do. we can stay friends. And then, of course, the assassination and the infamous Twinkie defense, which is not what you think it is. It's not about Twinks. It's something else. So, yeah. So Try something week. new this week. You see, he tried something. He had no He knew he wasn't going to win, it's, but he still tried it. That's true. And did. that's how you learn. That's true. That's how this podcast started. That's right. Go out. You got your New Year's resolutions. I hope you made them. And if you didn't, it's not too late. Decide you're going to learn something new this year. Do something new. Improve on something. Did you make any resolutions? I uh, made a re resolution to learn three new things this year. That's right. I think you told. Yep. Yeah, you did that on our Shoot the Shit episode yep. or something. Yeah. I always learn something new every year. So yeah. I didn't commit to learning anything specific, but... I'll make the effort as an idea comes to my head. Yeah. That's, that's what good. I do every year. That's good. I am in the first week of my diet, so I'm starving constantly, but it's okay. So it's going to pay off. When you I know what? That. I'm supposed to be on a diet because I'm going on a cruise, but I have pizza. So <laughs> I, I apparently don't care that much. When is your cruise? February, February 2nd. 2nd. Oh, so you, you only have to diet for three more weeks. Yeah, I Four. don't care. Jesus Christ. Anyways, well, Christians, we hope that you've had a wonderful start to your year. Uh, make sure you go check out our Patreon page. Every little bit helps. Stay queer and don't get a lobotomy. Uh, we love you, our suckling sapphists. And as well as our allied hookers. That's right. So Until next week, goodbye. Bye, Christians. Thanks for listening. Remember to subscribe and review wherever you are listening and follow us on social media at Your Queer Story. Like what you heard? Want to share your story? Send us a voice message to add to the podcast from the Anchor app or at anchor.fm slash yourqueerstory. And if you would like to support the work we do or get exclusive content, check us out on patreon.com slash yourqueerstory. See you next week. Bye. Bye.